Welcome to Stories in Life. You're on the radio with Mark and Joe. We share stories that affirm your belief in the goodwill, courage, determination, commitment, and vision of everyday people. Our goal is that through another person's story, you may find connection, no matter your place in life. The stories we select will be inspiring and maybe help you laugh, cry, think, or change your mind about something important in your life. Join us for this episode of Stories in Life. Today on this episode of Stories in Life, we're going to hear from a young couple who are building single-track bike trails all over the country. Their company, called Dirt Candy Designs, is located in Grand Marais, Minnesota, but they've built really remarkable trails in Minnesota, Idaho, Texas, Colorado, and most recently in Aruba. I met Adam 10 years ago. He was a skipper of a steel sailing catch, and Micah was employed at the North Folk Schoolhouse. They started this business from scratch. We're going to hear about uh, what's that like for them and also get to know them a little bit about their passion for trail bikes and trail biking in the United States. So welcome, Adam and Micah. So we have with us Adam and Mike, Micah Haru, Joe. You and I have been talking about visiting with them for a day or two. Yeah, they, uh, have, a, they have a good story to tell. They have a great story to tell. You know, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Okay, the name of your company is Dirt Candy Designs, and you build bike trails. Okay, how did it start? How did how'd you get it off the ground? Was it a passion project? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're passionate about biking and you know, really enjoy trails and what trails provide to people. Um, But the whole turning it into a business thing kind of happened pretty organically up here in Grand Marais. Um, There was just a need and there was no one to do it. And, uh, you know, I was kind of at the point where I was ready for a little bit of a career change. So I decided to jump in and uh, and kind of learn how to do it and make it happen. And within a couple of years, it was already to the point where it was so busy where I was like, I, I, I need some help. Fortunately, Micah had, uh, she had been a former uh, Conservation Corps worker and so also had that, you know, passion about trails. So it was just a very natural, you know, mesh of, of us working together. Um, when Adam was on his own for about a year or two and uh, in his off time, he'd be like, let's go, let's go. You know, I don't have any trail to build. You know, let's, uh, let's go travel for a month. And I was had the nine to five job. So I'm like, well, I can't really do that. <laughs> and so it, it was a, it was a nice opportunity for us just to like kind of join forces and go into business together. And that way we could be working together, but also playing together. So, so did you maintain your nine to five job in the meantime, or did you jump off? I jumped, I, I jumped off a cliff, Joe. Like I, you know, I, I in the beginning, um, I kind of was the steady, steady Eddie paycheck while Adam explored, you know, trail building. And then once, like he said, he got busy and this was actually going someplace. Then we decided to go in on it together. And I, um, said goodbye to North House Folk School where I was, where I was working and we went full time. You know, what I thought was kind of cool is that one of your hashtags was, uh, Couples that play together stay together. That was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, Julie and I, have, we've had the, kind of the same belief system. You got to have fun together uh, to keep things going. So one of the curiosities I'm sure our listeners is going to have is you work together all day, right? You're doing some really heavy lifting. This is not like paperwork. You're doing some really heavy yeah. lifting. It's stressful. Um, how do you turn it off at the end of the day? How do you go from working together to just relaxing like you are tonight? Yeah, good question. It's definitely something that we've been trying to work on through the years to, to create that balance between work and just the relationship part of our life, you know? Um, and so I feel like uh, the best thing for us is like physical activity. And it sounds crazy after being so physical all day long, but to get on our bikes and go for a ride. And it's like, once we get on a bike and on a trail, it's like everything else kind of melts away and you're just really focused in on where you are and what your body is doing and just having fun and being playful. And it can kind of just de-stress, you know, the day. Right. right. Um, that's what I feel like. I, don't know I, I would agree completely. I, I was going to say, ironically, it's like getting on our bikes at the end of the day is, is the best way to like, you know, go forward at, in the, into the, you know, off time. So yeah. you guys have been riding bikes for many, many years. Is- I, I, I grew up riding bikes, racing mountain bikes and stuff like that. Uh, Micah came at it much later in life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like growing up, I had like the 10 speed, you know, but sure. <laughs> Uh, I really wasn't into mountain biking until my adult life. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's kind of, you, you kind of influenced me to, to get into it and I kind of tried it and thought, wow, this is great. And then once we started uh, building trails, I really immersed myself into it, obviously, and just embraced it even more. Yeah. You can tell that you guys are, you know, definitely doing this together. One of the team people have to go to see your website because there's some really cool videos on there of the projects that you've had. So we'll, you know, we'll make sure that we keep sending people that direction. Uh, it's dirt candy designs, right? Dirt dirt candy designs. One of the things in there that captured me was you let the land define what you do. And, you know, for a lot of people that are busy, really busy lives, busy jobs, that to me was like being really present in, in the moment, looking at nature as not something to fight, but something to listen to. So tell Work us a little, it. yeah, tell us a little bit about how you do that. Anything come to mind when, when, when we talk about that? Well, that's kind of the backbone of how we approach trails is really, you know, like Adam has a wonderful gift of spatial relations. Like as we're um, walking through an area, uh, a lot of times we'll design trail. And so even before the equipment is out there, we're just walking through the woods and trying to get a feel and envision like what an experience on a bike or hiking, you know, we do hiking trails too, but how that would feel for someone and just kind of letting the landscape speak to us. And we find in building, it's so much easier and the product is so much better when you work with nature instead of just trying to force it into something that we might have thought that this would be good here instead. Like, how can we work with what Mother Nature is providing us to really enhance the experience all around? So um, it's kind of, we, we kind of feel like we're, it's a canvas and we're artists, so to speak. And just we're kind of painting these trails, you know, through the landscape and trying to bring out and enhance the natural elements that are just present there. Keep the beauty there and, and allow other people to get in there and see that beauty. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That accessibility. 
for them to experience it for themselves. So how does that all work? How does it start? You want to put a bike trail on a specific beautiful piece of land. What do you do to get it from an idea through the the actual trail? Yeah, yeah that's a good <laughs> question. Really good. Um, it's a long process for sure. And, you know, usually it comes, uh, you know, the idea is spurred by some local enthusiast uh, at whatever park or forest or, you know, whatever. And they, and they start, you know, kind of working it through the layers of, uh, of local government, trying to get approvals, trying to get some input from the community as to whether this is like a viable project or not. Um, once they get to that point where they're like, yes, we want to put trails into, into this park or this forest land. That's usually then when we would get the call to come in and do some design and conceptual work uh, to try to like figure out what exactly can fit into this land. And, and then from that point on, we go to like doing the actual like on the ground designing. And then the project usually goes out and the, to bid and different contractors will, will bid on it. And then that's when the building happens. And then it kind of gets turned back over to the local clubs to like maintain and nurture that trail, um, you know, throughout the years. So you earn your money creating the actual trail. That's yeah. Okay. Yep. No, yep. Ma- you, no maintenance afterwards. You move on to the next one. I mean, we do, you know, we do uh, part of our job is definitely doing some um, like rehab on trails. We've, we've done a fair bit of that uh, over the years. Uh, we have done some trail maintenance, um, you know, so there, there is a need for that because a lot of these trails happen in areas where there might not be a huge volunteer base, or sometimes you have these weather events that lead to like having to come in with, with just heavier equipment to bring it back to its original, you know, sure. state. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to something Micah said, Adam, she said that you have this ability to kind of see it. It's kind of an intuitive skill you've got there. What is that about? I mean, it, where did that come from? You know, that's a good question because I've, I've, I've never been like an artist. Like, you know, growing up, it was like, that was like my least favorite thing to do is to try to create something. <laughs> and that, because I, I just felt like I wasn't good at it. But somehow it's just uh, sitting behind the controls of the excavator feel a lot to me like sitting behind the handlebars of the bike. And so when I'm looking at that landscape, I can just feel and imagine what the ground, you know, the feedback that I'm going to receive on the bike, even before I'm digging through the dirt. So I, 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 it's kind of a magic in my head, but, um, but it works. And, uh, it, and I think it's really uh, a good, you know, it's for us, it's valuable that I, that I can do that because it, it definitely creates a better product at the end. You know, it, it, I, I know what riders are going to feel before we even start getting rid of the topsoil. Wow. So I saw evidence of that on one of the projects where you had this uh, bridge you were building. It looked like four by fours and maybe two by sixes or some incredibly big bridge you were building. And in the middle of the bridge, it turned and went, yeah. So is that what you're talking about? That kind of, it's an intuition on your part. You can see that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's like, a bridge feature like that, which was kind of one of our like, wow, that was a big project. That was a 60 foot bridge over another trail. But even, or, or even just like, oh, we just need a little bit more dirt on the right side of the trail right there. So like, you know, that when you're riding through it, it just gives you that little bit of like extra, you know, grip to like get around that corner faster or just to make it feel smoother. And you're not 
like like we were saying before, you're not fighting the nature. Like nature's just taking you through the woods. Yeah. What was the first trail you built? Which one? Ah, that's a good one. Uh, up here in Grand Marais uh, at Pincushion Mountain Recreation Area, uh, we built about nine miles of trail there over three year period. And that's kind of where we cut our teeth, you know, learning about, you know, different trail construction and, and it's a good challenging place to build because there's bedrock, there's great dirt, there's, you know, a little bit of everything. So we've kind of, it was a really good kind of proving grounds for us to kind of get our, get our bearings and uh, figure out how we, how we do all this. Yeah. Yep. Are you able to quantify how many people use your trails in a given season? Wow. Boy, that's, that's a good question. I'm, I, I don't know. And, you know, it's, it de- definitely depends on the area and, you know, some places we've built, it get, you know, just naturally because of their location, get higher ridership than others. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely, you know, in the thousands of people every year on, on most sections of trail. Yeah. So on the nine mile trail, because I'm thinking, you know, most people don't even walk nine miles. Right. <laughs> so now you, you made a trail for biking nine miles. What were some of your uh, surprises on that? You know, as the builder of that, what were some of the things where you, you, you know, Didn't you looked at what, coming. what yeah. could have been a failure and you turned it into a win? Uh, you know, I think on, on that particular trail, there was, there was a lot of bedrock. And, and you know, up here on the North Shore in Minnesota, uh, wherever there's bedrock, the wa- water tends to find the surface. <laughs> you know, it, it just comes out of the ground and the bedrock. So, and that was like one of our biggest challenges, I think, was just managing where that water is going to magically appear every time it rains or the snow melts or whatever. And then we found areas that were just like the, the best dirt we've ever seen on the North Shore. And it's like totally random. So it's like, oh, suddenly now we found this amazing like vein of dirt. We're going to just we're going to build like berms and it's going to feel like a roller coaster instead of riding over bedrock. You know, so uh, just being able to adapt, I think, is, is pretty pretty key yeah. that was yeah. teachable teachable moments through yeah, that sure. especially in the beginning days where we were just trying to learn as much as we could and so that trail taught us a lot so what year was that your first trail i think that started in about 2011 where do you see it going you know where did it come from in the last say 20 years and where is it going to go in the next 20 is that a fair question i think that is a fair question you know and i think you know when you when you talk to some of like the industry you know, professionals or old timers or whatever, they say that one of the biggest, you know, evolutions in mountain biking in the last 20 years is the trail itself. You know, more than any of the gadgetry that we put on our bikes, it's, it's the, the quality of the trail and the diversity of trail has really kind of just opened up uh, opportunities for, for all spectrum of riders. Um, so, you know, I think, that that's like the biggest change we've seen in the last 20 years is like, wow, now there's a trail that's fun for like literally almost anybody, you know, it's, it's really neat where, you know, when I was riding as a, you know, young teenager or whatever, it was just like literally deer trails and forest roads. There was like, there was no, there was, the, there was nothing that resembled anything that we're doing today. And um, so I think that's, that's kind of just been a really neat evolution to watch and just seeing the variety of people getting into the sport uh, is super uh, satisfying. Uh, where is it going? Ah, boy, that's a good question. I think it's, it's just going to keep kind of like the umbrella is getting bigger and bigger. So you're, you're seeing more and more like just manicured 
bike parks, like, you know, big city infrastructure, you know, with metal bridges and stuff that's like literally artwork. Uh, and then there's also like trail systems that are like trying to kind of go back to the the roots and trying to get it like kind of like you'd call it old school and um, just rugged and more raw and natural. And so I, I think it's just the umbrella keeps growing. And I think that's what kind of makes it a neat industry. Yeah. Do you consider, I, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I feel too like, uh, where are we going? I feel like bike trails are becoming what like baseball fields were, you know, into to communities and, and towns and cities, you mm-hmm. know, the amenity of a lifestyle was like a tennis court or a basketball court or a baseball field. And now add in mountain bike trails really do feel like it's headed that way. Skate parks, stuff like that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Before we leave that arena, one of the things that I'm thinking about as you're talking about that then is sort of this complexity of sophistication and then the simplicity of just being with nature. I think of you and the design work that you guys are doing as more towards the simplicity of nature. What's your thought about that? Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty accurate assessment. You know, I think we we work best, we do our best when we're like, as far off the grid as possible. Like that's kind of our niche is to just really just be well into the woods, whether it's designing or building, like oftentimes, you know, camp on site in the woods for a month at a time, you know, building a trail, like away from our normal comforts of home or whatever. And so like, I mean, I, I, I would agree with your assessment that like the, the more nature, the more rugged, the better for us. That's just, that's our jam. Sounds like a really cool lifestyle. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> okay. As we transition to the rest of Adam and Micah's story, we certainly learn that uh, they each bring a contribution to the work they're doing. We were a little intrigued with what is this spatial awareness that Adam is talking about. And a person with spatial intelligence Uh, is a cognitive ability that allows people to perceive their surroundings a little differently than most of us. A person with this kind of awareness can easily and accurately understand their physical position relative to themselves, their environment, and the people around that environment. So it would make some sense that Adam would be really good at managing that heavy equipment and figuring out the best way to do that as he's looking at the woods, looking at the trails, and thinking about the best way to go forward. So we're gonna listen a little bit more to how that skill plays out into their business. But also we know Micah brings some unique talents to this business. And so we're gonna be listening for what is it that she brings that's unique that she might share with us in the second half of this story. And now it's time for Stories in Life, Art from the Heart, Deep Thoughts from the Shallow End. Each episode, we bring you a poem, a song, or a reading just for you. For our deep thoughts from the shallow end, today we picked a poem by David White, a poet who works in leadership in 
the northwest parts of the United States. And this poem is called Lost. And we think this poem really fits what Adam and Micah do for a living. So here we go. The poem again is called Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen, it answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, Here. No two trees are the same to Raven. No two branches are the same to Wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another episode, and we want to give our special thanks to Adam and Micah Haru for sharing this time with us and giving us so many things to think about. So special thanks to both of them. I just think they were cool. They were really cool, and so many people could learn a lot from those two. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories in Life on the radio with Mark and Joe.